0: Here's the thing about Germany, why I made a curator's pick of the Hollywood
1: French people. Community, unity, unity.
2: Part,
3: part, 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 part. Praise you What's going on, people? What's going on with this image right now? Welcome to another great Episode, it is Monday. Monday, 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 and I've got snow, and I'm trying to figure out how I have snow, but that's of no accord, no, no, no problem to you. Welcome to hashtag observations TFR by Crazy D with my special guest host, my sister Tanya. How you doing this morning? Let's uh, check out the mics and everything.
2: Testing one, two. How's it sound? How's it sound? Cool. So, good morning, everybody. This is another robust week of hashtag observations, TFR. I hope that you guys had a chance to check out... Um, TFR, hashtag TFR, um, yesterday uh, on Sunday at 5.30 uh, Pacific Time and 8.30 Eastern Standard Time, where Dee and his wife Tracy were going over music, culture, politics, and and more. Uh, They covered a lot of things about some of the series that are on currently, and they gave you some insight and some overview over those. I hope you guys are checking those out. They're very informative and give you an idea and a direction on what to turn your dial to as opposed to just searching at random for something good to watch. So they've had a chance to look at these things and then they give you a little synopsis of what's going on with them. But I'm doing good this morning. I had, <laughs> I had some uh, last minute uh, debaucheries here. I have. I have, first of all, I need some wire, um, those wire cord uh, things that keeps the, organizes the wires that you get from Micro Center or something like that because I have a lot of equipment and stuff and I just ha- so happen to not have fed my foot pedal, my sustain pedal for my uh, keyboard around the back like I should have so a lot of the cord is in front so I went to get up and in my effort not to trip over the cord for my headphones my other shoe was <laughs> caught in the wire for the sustain pedal so I get up and I I, I I saw myself on the way down ain't nothing I could do but just go ahead and let the fall happen you know what I'm saying and then try to, you know, make sure I land in a place That's not going to be injurious to me Because see, I used to laugh when I fell But this stuff ain't funny no more Because <laughs> it's not funny The only thing I can laugh about is how I might have looked going down But I was like, when I got down there I was like, Ooh, well, I'm down here now And I had some in my hand I had a dish in my hand and uh, so and so the thing is, I had the um, my headphones and everything hooked up, so D heard it, and it's all loud of boom, 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 boom. They probably heard that outside. Uh, so, so he's like, what's going, What was that noise?" And I'm hearing him talking through my headphones, right? And what's that noise? Are you all right? What's what's happening? So I was like, "I'm fine. I had to get in the camera, and let him know I'm doing all right. I'm up and good." As you know, when you get older, a little bit older I'm not old, let's get that straight Let's get that straight, I'll never be old (laughs) But when you get a little bit older, fall is not any fun anymore It's not funny So, you know, I had to let them know I was okay But, huh And then when I got back in here, just before the broadcast started My mirror fell, my, uh All this stuff fell and it was another crash. I was surprised you didn't hear that. I said, oh my goodness, is this how Monday is going to be? Monday? But no, the day is what you make it. My day is not going to start out like that. But today I have mangoes and of course my ginger. And also today I have barley water, just clouded water because it, yeah, barley water. So what you do is two tablespoons of barley in an eight-ounce glass. I had two eight-ounce jars. So two tablespoons of barley and let it sit overnight. And then what it does is it flushes your system out, especially if you have any water retention or any things like that. It really, really, really does help with that. Without you, It's really weird how it works because you don't have to go to the bathroom a lot but it takes down that, it gets rid of whatever the salt is holding, it starts getting rid of that, so it's a very good thing. Very inexpensive, too. You know, it's strange.
3: I mean, I think it's uh, the alignment of the stars, because yesterday I was washing dishes, and I went to pour the water out of the pan, and it was a plate in the sink, and for some reason, this has never happened to me before and the water hit the plate and splashed up on my pan wet my pants all up i said man (laughs) something's wrong then i was turning around to cook because i I cook and do all that at the same time i clean up as i go and i'm turning around and i go to cut open a pack and some of the stuff just spilled i'm like what is going on so it's something (laughs) that's going on with the alignment of the stars but i have my apple today to keep the doctor away Have some mixed vegetables and some grapes this morning. What a show we have for you. Let me shout out first and send dropouts to the people who are watching us on Periscope, Vimeo, FB, and the Film Review Live channel. Go right over to the Film Review Live channel on YouTube right now. Smash subscribe, smash like because we have a great show Tag your people in it and all of the other platforms that we're on. Follow, like, friend, all of that, because we want to stay in contact with you. What is our topic today? Our topic... Oh, wait, 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 wait. She wants to
1: add something?
2: Before you move on, I just want to let the people know, and I want to let you know, once... When stupid stuff like that starts happening, what I learned was the full moon is close by. It is close by. It has been my history over the last at least seven or eight years since I've been paying attention to it. Then when these little debaucheries start, the full moon is close by. And guess what? The full moon is October 31st. October 31st. So not only
3: does October 31st fall on a Saturday, and it won't fall on a Saturday again until 20... Where's my sheet? I'll be able to tell you real fast. It won't fall on a Saturday again. Let us see my fun facts about Halloween. We talked about it yesterday. It won't fall on Halloween again until... 2032. I'll be 61 years old. 2032. It won't fall on Saturday again. So, Mm. enjoy this Saturday, people. We know we have COVID, but enjoy it because you won't be able to have that day off after your children go trick-or-treating or or if you want to go to Halloween parties until 2032. Right? But what is... Our topic for the day. Snap. Turkey Jams. Tony, Tony, Tony. Possibilities and probabilities. Smash the share. Smash the like. Smash the subscribe button on the Film Review Live channel. Because we're going to be talking about music industry today. As we move into an uncertain fall and winter season. We did, we discuss possibilities and probabilities in the music industry? What makes close calls and what makes sheer misses and is it divine intervention that keeps one away from the probability of possibility coming into a bad situation? Have we been cheated out of uh, verses that would have been set down in history as all time let's discuss 213-943-3358 so for all those last week we discussed the Buster Rhymes challenge to TI right we discussed that and within that weekend An answer was given, but it wasn't given to that particular challenge. Instead, it was given to an answer to Jeezy, right, by T.I. Jeezy had asked, why do you continue to ignore my challenge for verses? I've challenged you a few times and you have continued to ignore my challenges. So T.I. accepted Jeezy's call out, his challenge, and that will be the next versus battle that comes out. Now, for people who don't know who verse, what versus is, who it is, it's Timberland and Swiss Beats, and they came up with this ingenious idea on how to honor people who have had a longevity and made a career and left a legacy within the music industry. If it be R&B, jazz, well they haven't done jazz, R&B, rhythm and blues, soul, and especially hip hop, where both of those producers come from. That's what they've done. So today's the second topic, which we're gonna hit off first, is the versus battle that came from the versus battle that never was. So, for those who are not familiar, Buster Rhymes called out T.I. T.I used, in our opinion, we talked about it on Friday, he used Willie Lynch. He said, basically, you're too old, man. You you you're too old, and why would I do deal with an old person when I, you know, such and such as such as so half a dozen of one thing, half a dozen another, right? So he used Willie Lynch, and I thought then, and I still think now that that is cheating the fans. So I did some research. I did some research about solo careers, right? So I looked up Buster Rhymes, because, you know, Buster Rhymes did come out with Leaders of the New School first, but then he went solo, right? With his first album, The Coming. It came out in 96, right? T.I. came out the decade later in 2001 with I'm Serious. That's his first album. Jeezy, came out with let's get it thug motivation one on one in two thousand five and ask me what I discovered about years in this ask me what I discovered about years in this time what did you discover about years in this I discovered that it's only a five year difference between when Buster Rhymes came out with his solo album And when T.I. came out with his solo album, but there's only four years between T.I. and Jeezy, so it's just one year difference as far as what we're talking about as being solo acts, and this is what Buster Rhymes would be dealing with with his extensive catalog, right? So, in actuality, because I always thought that T.I. was older than Jeezy as far as artist years was concerned, right? If we're Mm -hmm. looking at artist years, then actually, Jeezy should be saying the same thing that T.I. said about Bus a Bus, that you know, by when you came out, but we're talking about solo act, right? That's just like, and and I, I saw people taking uh, taking TI's side on it and I was looking and it was a DJ who, you know, I, I, I respect his abilities on the ones and twos. That's just like someone saying, oh, you can't battle against this guy that does turntableism and can blend because you're 15 years older than him and you can't really do it. Because you're 15 years, you're like in a whole nother decade. So you should stick to Grandmaster Flash and all of them because you're 15 years older than this guy. That makes no sense in hip-hop whatsoever. 213-943-3358. Smash the share button. Smash the like button. It does not make any sense. Using Willie Lynch. And we talked about Willie Lynch Last week, you have to go back. We're moving forward. We're not going to go back and discuss it again, but we discussed it in 43. So go back and read the Willie Lynch letter or the Willie Lynch instruction to slave owners in the United States, right? It makes no sense. Hip-hop is a genre like jazz, like blues, like soul music that if your pipes, if you if you can still sing it and belt it out, Nancy Wilson kept singing on. Uh, uh, Lady Day kept singing on and she would have kept singing on until it was her time, unfortunately it was her time to go and so she left. So it is like that, it's like being a poet, being an MC, poet, Sanya Sanchez is still doing poetry right now and still respected. Hip-hop is if you can go, you can still go. You can still catch the beat. You can still catch the rhythm. DJing is if you can still cut, blend with speed and accuracy. It doesn't matter how old you are. This is hip-hop music. And so... Due to T.I. using Willie Lynch, we have missed one of the greatest verses that would have went down as all
2: time. What you got to say to that? You know, it is it's so much history and so much richness in what you're talking about. And, and to reflect back to what you just said about... uh Uh, T.I. and the difference between the years between him and Jeezy and in the time that T.I. put his album out and when Busta Rhymes put his album out. See, um, it's true in art there is no age cap. In art there's no age cap. but You have differences of administrations or differences of expression but there is no age cap in art. And so for T.I. to have said, I mean, we know what the deal really is, because you described it on the show and your experience with Buster Rhymes. And um, then I spoke to someone else after the show who said, yeah, you know, dude is a beast. He's taking over wherever he go. He goes to. Well, I mean, you know, if he's allowed to see, so you know, he has that rambunctious um, personality. So a lot of times when you come with that, that is intimidating by itself before you even get to expressing your art. When you come in a room and you take it over like, you know, you have it like that, that is intimidating for a lot of people as a lot of people are not like that or they don't have that kind of boldness to express that part of their personality. But you you did mention that he was a Taurus person. That's pretty characteristic of us. You know, (laughs) we go in places and even if we're not exhibiting uh, that we own the place, um, we basically when we walk in, it's like, okay, this is my domain until I leave, you know, so he's coming in with that in full force. So I would say that fear is the main motivator of T.I.'s comments uh, because he was going to get murdered, you know, uh, (laughs) he was going to get murdered. So we have
3: Jeezy now and T.I. And they're going to be doing the versus battle. Right? It's weird because we didn't really discuss this on the show, but if you're it doesn't matter what era you come in. Hip hop has certain kingdoms. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. The South has a kingdom, a kingdom that's running it right now, right? Then Mm -hmm. they have uh, various lords, etc, etc, etc. New York has a kingdom. The -hmm. West Coast has a kingdom. The Midwest has kingdoms. Right? Mm -hmm. Within the Midwest. And so when you look at it, the five boroughs of New York are each a kingdom, a kingdom, right? Yeah. Then you have the tri-state area that has various kingdoms and within there there are kings, lords, etc., etc., right? When you say that you are the king of the south and you have gone through all of the competition in the South, and they have said, Yeah, we like what you do. You can have that moniker. You are the King of the South. When another king challenges you from. Oh, but Buster Ryan said that he's a god, though. A god. That, uh, <laughs> not, not just a king. But when another right. king challenges you to a battle, and you have purposefully kind of like nudge that the bear with a stick saying NYC, NYC, NYC. When they come, you don't know which king or which lord or which god is coming, but they're going to be coming and once you nudge it, you don't I mean, you can do what you like, but when when you nudge, when you nudge at it and then it comes to you, you're supposed to answer the challenge because this is hip hop. And T.I. is a damn good hip hop artist. Like he does, he did his trap music and he brought a new sound. You know, some would say that that was the sound that was going and he was the one who pushed through with it first. That was the one that was going on in Atlanta. He pushed through with it first, but he is a damn good hip hop lyricist. His syntax, the way that he puts words together is clever and his presence on stage is dominant. So when it came time for a versus, which is supposed to be a celebration of people's careers, and he was nudging at 50 cents and he was nudging at the east then he should have answered because each one has has a has a kingdom right? Mm-hmm. Multiple kingdoms right? Within that particular body of land uh, or a source especially when hip hop came from there so to not answer the challenge and then to go here and we've known it people who are hip to Atlanta and the King of the South title and all that, that, that has ran between these two before and that had been laid down so to speak. Not to answer that call and to go here is not a good it's not it, it doesn't bode well for Southern hip hop. That's just my opinion my observation of on the outside of it you know but with immersed in the culture still that that is not a good look for uh southern hip-hop because if bus the bus had come and challenged snoop and snoop had already been in there snoop would have answered the challenge Snoop would have had a whole, because his catalog is vast, he would have had 20 more different songs than what he did versus DMX. You understand what I'm saying? He would have answered the call to that that challenge to be on versus, right? So we have been cheated out of a versus that would have gone down as one of the all-time greats. Funkmaster Flex is getting it, TI. All of this is, is a bad look because this is hip hop. That's what it is. And hip hop is about, I rap better than you and because I rap better than you, I'm flyer than you. I got the flyer whips than you, I dress better than you. I'm able to, my stage show is better than you and I'm able to take your girl at the end of the night because of it, if not before. That's what hip hop is about. And he should have answered the call. Let's start with some memes before we get to the rubber, to the road, to the main uh, discussion for this morning and this afternoon. Let's start right here. Most rappers already made a hit song. They just didn't promote it right, so it doesn't blow up 213-943-3358 3, 3, most rappers already made a hit song they just didn't promote it right so it doesn't blow up right because it usually takes you know if you're really pushing a record you're you're continuing a recording but actually if you're independent usually it takes about three years for a record to actually pop, cause you have to build it, you got to break through your hometowns' reluctance to love you, to like you. You got to uh, conjole and and, and him up the the radio people to play your record. The director of, uh, of the program director at the radio station to put your music in um, in rotation, not just. They just, okay, you got to have a banging video that people can see, right? So we're laying out some things, but well, usually it's a three-year trek. And in between, what happens is people start to believe that their stuff is old. That's why they keep on recording more. And of course, creativity makes you record more. But really, if you have a single that you believe in, you have to keep banging that out banging that out, keep placing it on the new stuff that you have, keep banging that out for at least a three-year situation, right? That's usually how that works. And it's nothing if you're independent, right? So some of the things that you hear, especially back in the 90s and going into uh, the 2000s, when you heard something and you thought it was a new sound, it was something that was old to where it came from most of the time. Here's another meme. DJ Scratch. I left DJ Scratch's names in there. He's a great turntable list as well as blender, cutter, scratcher. If you learned every scratch and juggle, but never learned how to DJ in a room full of people that want to dance, then you have missed the main part of being a DJ. That is correct. And I remember when DJ Scratch was DJing for Rakim, we got the exclusive interview with Rakim when I was shooting uh, Freelance for the radio station, but I also got footage on DJ Scratch and one of the DJs that was up there from the radio station, he said that DJ, because he was seeing DJ Scratch do his thing, juggling records and cutting and scratching and doing his routine. And he was like, "I think I'm out of place. I don't think I should be up here." And DJ Scratch came over to him when he was warming up, like waiting for the as the crowd was coming in, and he told him, "Man, the way you mix and blend, that is excellent. You you are dope, right?" And he said that. Coming from DJ Scratch, saying that with all the ability, and he told me, "He said I didn't think that you know I didn't think I didn't think I belonged up here. What you doing?" He said, "Man, what you doing moves the crowd. You know what I mean?"
2: What you Mm got to say to mm -hmm. that? I was just gonna um gonna insert you know requested insert a comment as a person who um is at a party or something like that. See, the cutting and scratching is is uh, percussive. It's percussive, so when you got a beat going, so you know I'm a musician, but I might be at a party in the capacity of a person that's at a party. You know, I'm not there as a musician. However, my musician ears are always on. So if I, if if the music is bumping, that bass is bumping, you in that you in the flow, and you choosing first of all the right choice, the right record selection. The right one to blend into the one before it because you're keeping the party going keeping people on the floor and so by the time you start blending djs who know how to superimpose that's where if i could put it in a visual that's where you lay something on top of the other and it blends well and you can't it's a seamless operation you can't see you can see there's a difference in pattern but There is no break. So a DJ who can take two records, the right two records, or the right chain of records, or list of records, or playlist, and then blend them in, superimpose them. Sometimes a superimposition can make a different chord progression in between the song. I mean, it's a lot going on there. And there's a lot of respect to be given. It is just like a, a, a... A musician learning how to play any other instrument. Those turntables are an instrument, and there's an expertise and a level of of practice that brings a person to be one over the other. That's how I had different DJs that were favorites. Like in my city in Cleveland, Ohio, you had Bud Bud McFarlane, would keep you and Bud McFarlane is is an older dude now, but he could still get on those tables and blend. He wasn't much of a a scratcher or anything like that, but he can blend some records. Then you had other DJs in the city, D being one of them, and then my other favorite was uh, DJ l Dog. They had a thing for superimposition. They had a thing for blending. They had a thing for uh, scratching, cutting. And percussively and precise See there's a precision In the cutting There's a lot going on on those turntables There's a precision I used to hear my brother in the basement He practiced his craft So he earned his stripes Because he practiced his craft He was not lazy he was not, He'd was be down there uh, He'd be down there all day long All day long When he wasn't uh, if he was getting prepared for a gig, he was down there blending and mixing, and I was like, "Man, wow, wow!" So he was more dedicated to his tables than I was to my keyboard. <laughs> he was, he was, and so consequently, he 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 reaped the fruit of that harvest. You know, so you can tell people who put their work in. You can tell, and 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 it also takes. What makes one over the other one? What puts one over the top of another one is their natural. This what's coming from inside them naturally as well. The ideas of what to do, the ideas of what records, that comes from the inside. So when you got somebody who's mastered all of that stuff at one time, all that technique, all that skill, all that precision, that means a lot on that dance floor when they get you... When you, you dance and so... You in the groove? They got it going. They got the. Then you start hearing them blend in the next record. You know what I'm saying? And you in it? You doing your thing? You all the way in? It. And then they get to cutting, and then it, it, it's the rhythm of the cut. And you like, oh, didn't oh! just make you do? You start making that funk face. You making faces while you jamming in? <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh.
3: Yeah, 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 you know, for me, I have uh, two favorites in particular, right, from the Cleveland market, and then I have a favorite here in Las Vegas. All the Cleveland DJs, when they get to the level of of throwing parties or DJing at parties and releasing their own mix cassettes back in the day and... Mixed CDs now, mixed digitals, right? When they get to that level, when they get to that level, they are uh, Cleveland DJs, I'm telling you, because the mixing has to be like this, because you're blending two beats together, right? Making a new beatscape. That's what I call it. Making new beatscapes. So they have to be tight because people are bumping the bass in their car so the bass has to connect and the knocking of the beats have to be tight. There's beat knocking, right? So there's two in particular that I uh, dug. One I got to do my wedding reception was Scratch Master L. And then the other is a ma- uh, Cut Master Slice. That's right, Cut Master Slice, I remember, uh, Centipede, DJ Centipede, who is now in North Carolina, I uh, interviewed him for uh, one of our shows from TFR Talk to, uh, entitled Let's Talk DJing, and um, I interviewed him about his longevity in it, right, and I remember walking in on a party that he was throwing, right, at the Colosseum. People very called it the Colosseum on 72nd and Euclid but it was the Colosseum. That's the way it was spelled. And so I walked in there and I hear this guy on the wheels and he's cutting and cutting and back and forth on quarter turns, keeping the beat seamless, cutting and blending in, locking it down on the one. And I'm like I said, Centipede, who? is that kid? Because I was on the dance floor, and you know, being that I'm a DJ if but DJ skips or something, I'm like, oh man, I can't keep the rhythm. What's going on? But this kid had <laughs> it going. And and he was like, I was like, who was that? He said, Cut Master Slice. Cut Master Slice and Scratchmaster L are two of the best. I put them up against any DJ,
2: any
3: era, because this is hip hop music, any time I put them up against. And then the one here is the infamous DJ Remix. I also interviewed him for Let's Talk DJ TFR. And his ability to keep a crowd moving and his knowledge of records of being able to blend from in and out of soul to hip hop to R&B right, to classic, whatever it is. He could do it to cartoons, blending in. That's what hip hop is. He could do that. He's an incredible DJ. So most definitely, you know, I have my my favorites and because I am a DJ, or uh, now I'm a filmmaker, but being I was a DJ of a certain caliber, a high caliber and enjoy what I do, I can, and I always enjoyed others, you know what I'm saying, what they did, because there was no competition, the only person I competed with, how could I be better than what I did last time, so let's continue on, so that's on that, thank you DJ Scratch for that meme, that slide, today on FB, we can expect a few selfies in the upper uglies, Mid to moderate haters. 95% no chill between and heavy chance of shade throwing. 95% no chill button and a heavy chance of shade throwing. I thought that was pretty good, equating FB to... The weather report. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. You know, what I'm saying what's happening on Let me on say FB there's something the about weather that report. One. Okay, yeah, here we go. Going right, right, right here.
2: <laughs> that is so true. Uh, actually, that's that's daily, not just today. That is that's very clever equating that with the weather report. But I remember, um, well, you know, you experience different things online media, on uh, social media. And, you know, people get a lot of courage that they wouldn't have in your face on social media. And I remember one time somebody said something fly to me. I said, you know, I said, there's nothing. Uh, we're in the same city. There's nothing. here. All we got to do is get in our cars and meet up, you know, because <laughs> that, that's where I took it there because I knew that person was not going to. uh and if they, if they had a call to bluff, that's fine, too. I got it. But it's just that sometimes people need to be regulated. They do. They really need to be regulated. They, this is People say any old thing uh, in writing online. They say things. They do things. And I say what some of them need is a visit. That's what some of them need. And that'll help them tone that down some. That's true, though. Uh, But the haters are the haters You don't want to, I mean, a lot of people Their hateration is actually uh, An envy That is really a compliment It's a compliment That they envy you Because it's something that that falls Slacking in them But for the other people Shade throwers and stuff like that You don't want to get into pettiness But sometimes, just for the, the kick of it Just ask them, well, um What do you want to do about this? Because it seems like it's a big problem for you. (laughs) So how do you propose that we solve your issue? (laughs) You know,
3: hating is, is the biggest form of adulation. They really love you. Because, you know, in Cleveland, many of us love to hate what we love. We will love. I already talk about the Tupac story, but they cried like a baby, but when he first came with Digital Underground, they were smacking his ankles with the little hand towels that they had passed out with the Digital Underground logo on them, but they love that dude, you know, they love R. Kelly, they love all these people, they love Mary J., they love Cat Williams, they love him, but they love to the hate, and so, you know, Hate is the greatest form of adulation, right? Let's keep moving. If you are a giver, learn your limits because takers don't have any. If you are a giver, learn your limits because takers don't have any you have to smash the share button smash the like button because we are going somewhere today like we always do this is episode 44 we have based the foundation on episode 1 through 43 and now we are moving on into new areas to discuss if you are a giver learn your limits because takers don't don't have any. any? And when you're talking about the music industry, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Know your limits because takers will try to take. And we've already talked about the adulation from the haters. And here's another one, right? This comes from a DJ, DJ Highlight from out of Cleveland, Ohio. He's also a good blender, right? Throw FB a, battle of, a, a bottle of water cause they thirsty. Flagging videos I did four years ago. Too late, my folks done jammed to them already. <laughs> Wink. Look, FB is on this ride like taking down videos left and right that don't necessarily meet their policy. You know, not ones to shy away from, not the controversy, but the reality of what it is. We will say something about it, right? We will say something about it because it's not only affecting DJs, it is affecting other people who are dropping Their
1: information,
3: which brings us to the rubber hitting the road. Right, we're talking about snap, right? We're talking about snap, but first, we have to get into some definitions. But we are definitely talking about snap the eras between the era between 1990. And 96, right? So we're going to do some definition, then we're going to get right there. But smash the share button, smash the like button. We're going to be getting to it. So let's get into these definitions real quick, right? So let's start with these definitions, right? We talked about probability and possibility, and there's also Opportunity. So, we're going to look at the definitions of probability because the show is Snap, Turkey Jams, Tony, 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 possibilities and probabilities, right? So, what is the possibility and the probabilities of getting into the music business? So, let's look at definitions, let's look at what probability is. The extent to which something is probable, the likelihood of something happening or being the case. Secondary, a probable or the most probable event. Now, what is the difference between probability and possibility? Possibility, a thing that may happen or be the case. A thing that may happen or be the case, right? Probability is something happening or being the case, right? Secondary, the state or fact of being likely or possible. Likelihood. Third, a tiny... a that's wrong. A, a thing that may be chosen or done out of several possible alternatives. A thing that may be chosen or done out of several possible possibilities. Now, what is opportunity? Opportunity, a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. A set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. A chance for employment or promotion. A chance for employment or promotion. Okay, let's let's start right here. So that's one definition, car it down. So we're gonna to come to the next one, right? In a second. But this is where we begin. We begin with the snap. And the snap story, because we all have a snap story, right? We have a song, I used to DJ this record. You know what I mean? Uh, at the parties, snap. For those who don't know that, it was a song. I got the power. Break my heart. It was all during the club, and my sister's gonna break it down more for you, right? But okay. So it's 1990. Your boy, yours truly, just graduated from high school and he's in this summer program down at Cleveland State called the class program. That's where you go down and you stay in the dormitory over the summertime. And when you finish, you will be like a super freshman, right? You would know what everything was on the campus, whereas everyone else coming would be like, You know deer in headlights Trying to figure out everything was And they would ask you are you a sophomore or something No I'm a freshman But you know we were in this program right Okay so we're talking about Possibility Probability And opportunity Right so What was the probability That I was going to get into the program Because My mother had found out about the program now I graduated from Trinity High School, and just my opinion, the guidance counselor wasn't doing much guidance towards the <laughs> American Black students. I just, just matter of fact, the the guidance counselor tried to get me two days before graduation. You know, I had to typing in junior high school, so I knew all my home keys. I type about 175 words per minute maybe even faster now you know and my chickens scratch I often talk about my writing my penmanship is horrible because I do more typing but I had learned that all the way back in junior high school seventh eighth grade right so by the time I got to Trinity High School I said well let me take this computer class and learn computers and not take the mandatory typing because I already know you had a choice. They gave you a choice, right? So I took the computer class to learn about computers. Came in handy, came in handy, I'll say. So two days before graduation, the guidance counselor who will remain nameless calls me down to the guidance office. Now, I haven't been in the guidance office all four years except for Uh, when they took us on a tour and said this is your guidance counselor for all four years right because each freshman class got a different fresh guidance counselor right and this was ours in this particular room that's the only time I ever I saw her in the hallway and everything and she would come into classes to talk about general possibilities right so My mother had found out about the class program. She said, go talk to your guidance counselor because... See, my mother was on it. My my sister would tell you. My mother was on it. To get us the best education possible, our mother was on it. You know what I mean? She was on it. If she had to take you out to public schools to put you into a parochial (laughs) school situation or take you out to parochial schools, if they were acting up And put you into a public school situation. That's what she did. Because she wanted us to have the best opportunity possible. Side note, CCSD, uh, that's uh, the Clark County School District, is offering a program because there's a shortage of people who are doing construction and engineering. And they're giving these classes free to CCSD students to make a ready-made workforce. And that came on the news and they only have 200 students signed up. There's only 3%, 3%. And so I put that across. I put it all across the Black Las Vegas page on Facebook. And I said, American Black should be all over this because engineering in particular can take you around the world. Construction also. Especially if you're engineering and construction and you're designing, you're going across the globe. So, you know, myself, I don't have children, but I look out for the children. Though I, though if they act up, like our when our niece and nephew were young, we say if we had any problems, we'd go take our niece and nephew. We we ever long for some children, we take them. As soon as they acted up, up oh, time to return. There you go. So that's the luxury of not having kids. <laughs> Just a little sidebar here. So, so I look out for American black children because we don't want American black children having to do what they are doing over in the continent of Africa or the islands of Jamaica, Barbados, Trinidad, Tobago, Jamaica, uh, Dominican Republic, Haiti, Haiti, et cetera, et cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. We want them to have, so the all the parents have to do is sacrifice those 18 years and your children will be up and ready to stand on their own too. Okay, so that was a little side note about today in contrast to when I was coming up and what my mother did for myself and what she did for my sibling, my sister here, right? So look. So she calls me down, the guidance counselor, who will remain nameless, calls me down to the office, to the guidance counselor office. And she says, well, you didn't take typing. You might not. I don't think that you're going to be able to graduate. I don't think that you're going to be able to graduate because you didn't take typing and that was a mandatory. And you took this elective, which was computer programming or whatever it was. And I looked at her, I said, well, I said, you know, I took uh, typing in junior high school, right? So then she calls the higher up over her, calls him and he comes. So I held the last part of what I had to say, right? Because only a person who actually knew typing would be able to say this phrase. And I held it. I held it. I'm thinking because what why she was trying to give me you know how people watch you from afar and what you're doing may not seem to affect them but if they are in my opinion my thought person a bigot then what you're doing and i was a a person that wasn't a rabble rouser but i didn't like what i was seeing at a predominantly polish high school catholic school we're talking about being christians but you're not acting like christians towards the small group of blacks that were there and so I started an organization, such etc. such and So you never know who's actually watching you. So my thought on it, she was trying to get me at the end so I wouldn't be able to walk the stage. She could have called me in at the beginning of the school year and said, you know what? You might need to take this typing class and I wouldn't we'll be able to talk, tell her again. So she, called, she calls the higher up over her. He comes in the room and she says to him, well, he says he took typing in junior high school. Now, she can see my record. My record is right there on the page, right? So, so he says, you say you took typing. I said, yeah, take me to a typewriter. I'll show you the home keys. I said, take me to a typewriter. I'll show you the home key. He looked at me. He looked at her. He said... Wave it. You got to know what you're dealing with. You got to know what type of
2: racist
3: you are dealing with. Because if that hadn't solved it, then I would have just made a call to nine two one, and it would have been <laughs> over. Because both parents would have blew down on them and said, how come you didn't do this incompetence? We work in, we work in organizational fields and this is disorganized and there's no way my son is not going to cross the street. But you have to learn to handle this yourself and have the ability right. and the syntax and the vocabulary to be able to put across to these people because they do not mean you any good, even if you didn't even know that they were watching you, but they are, and they mean you no good. They said waving, you should have seen him, his neck turned red, she was, she pressed her, her, her lips together, and then I bet she waited. waited, and I graduated on time, across the stage, Saranara, Trinity High School, forever. So anyway, but I got the education I needed, right? So look, it's 1990, and so I went to the guidance council. So that was at the end of the year. This was like maybe a month, two months before. You had to register two months before graduating. So I went to her, and she knew about the class program, but she wasn't calling any of the black students in. I had to come to her. Is that good job? Good? So, because you had to get a reference from a guidance counselor. So she gave the reference, right? And then uh, my mother had said, you got to call this man at a certain time and talk to him at a certain time. And so I I asked to be excused from the, from the class and I went down, dialed the number, asked to speak to the person who was the head of the program. And I talked to him, he said, Well, you're in, you sound good, Mr. Mr. I'm gonna say Mr. D. Mr. D, you sound good. And so, yeah, you're in, and so you will be reporting, you know, so so, so. graduation, we're in the dormitory, right? So, what was the probability of me being in the class program under those circumstances? It would be zero except for my mom was always creating opportunity for her two children and pushing the probability needle. And that's what being a parent is. And even if you did not know that that child was coming and you feel that the child is somewhat slowing you down, it is behoove and it is your duty to make sure that you make sure your child has a better experience and a better life than you have and so you do everything possible to get them up from under the foot of people 213-943-3358 and that's what our mother did now so the probability would have been zero except for she constantly to made opportunity for us so the probability went higher. Once I was in the dormitory, there was a mentor there from the Alphas, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, 1906. Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson was in the dorm and he came to the dorm room and he heard me DJing in the dormitory. And he said, I'm going to get you the Alpha Icebreaker because you're just that good. I have been DJing and blending in the basement, had my first party at 14 years old, but I was blending and honing my craft from 14, well actually 11, all the way up to when I was in college, started college at 19 years old, right? That's eight years of honing your skill, of listening, of tightening beats, of making things right. He said, I'm going to get you the icebreaker. Right? So he got me the icebreaker. And what was the probability of me getting the icebreaker? It was then another person who gave possibility By opening up the opportunity door. By saying I'm going to get you the icebreaker. And he got that. And we're on the move then. 19 years old. DJing the icebreaker. At Cleveland State. 1990. Alpha Phi Alpha. 2, 3,000 people. Packed in a banquet hall. The steppers. the, the, The alphas. The calphas. Stepping the Sigma, stepping the uh, Zetas, the the uh, the one Iotas, stand, the Zetas, the AKAs, the Deltas, all ch- doing their chance and stepping around in the circle, and and without missing a beat, blending these records together. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. Nineteen ninety. Now, at the same time. And I am DJing parties. My sister goes down in the fall and she enrolls in Boston, Mass. In the School of Music in Boston, Mass. Called, what's that school called? I'll let you take it, man. Tell your story as we get to Snap, Turkey Jams, and Tony, Tony, Tony.
2: Okay, as he said, at the same time, that fall, I went down to, I enrolled in uh, Berkeley College of Music in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, every musician knows that school, it is uh, running neck and neck. It used to be second to Juilliard, but because uh, they have increased their, their footprint so largely, they are equivalent to Juilliard in New York, right? So I went there, and uh, when I went there, let, let me backtrack. The year before, I have a friend, a very dear friend that we had attended church with and stuff, and our mothers were friends or they were comrades, so to speak. And he had said, Man, you got he had gone the year before, and he said, Man, you need to come down here, you need to be here, you need to be here. So, you know. I'm the type of person i you know i'm I, I don't get too excited about it even if i'm excited about stuff i'm not a i'm not a groupy type person i'm not you i rarely show that excitement on my face and sometimes i have to explain that to people because they take it wrong they think i'm not excited or not interested it's not that i'm just not going i'm just not going to glorify a whole bunch of stuff so i went down there the year before and stayed at his aunt's house and we he took me around the city and we went to the school and I was like I went you know we went into the school down the main lobby and passed through the practice area where they called the sheds and they were actually uh they had it was that bark wood on the on the walls and they were all soundproofed with that bark wood and it, every different instrument was in a shed And they were, you know, I heard the sax player in the shed, the trumpet player, the piano player. Sheds had pianos. Um, And I'm like, wow, drummer in the shed. And I'm moving around. It was just the it was the culture, the environment. This was a whole a whole separate entity unto itself. And I'm like, wow, I do need to be here. Because I was playing in a local band at the time, I had spent five years with that band And I played nine months with another local band in between that time But I'm like, if I want to take this to the next level I need to get out of that local environment I need to be around those greater than me I need to, you know, as far as skill level and things like that I need to be, I need to be here This is where I need to be So I I waited that next year, I saved up some money and then my mom, my parents, they gave me, they, they invested in that for me on my first semester and I found myself down there. This was my first time leaving home and everything. Now I had another school I was looking at. I was looking at Grove School of Music in Van Nuys, California, which is a suburb of LA. But I didn't. It was my first time leaving home. I didn't want to be that far away all the way across the country so I chose Berkeley and plus the edge was it was somebody there I knew so that was the edge so I went to Berkeley and when I got there it was it was just like from the time the train pulled into the city and I got off that train and walked down in the lobby main lobby all the kids People are getting out of taxis, people getting out of of buses, and everybody is meeting and coming down and congregating into the main lobby, and they're telling us, you know, well, tomorrow you're going to go to your financial aid appointments and all of that stuff, but here's the cafeteria, so everybody's herding down to the cafeteria, and um, we're down in the cafeteria, and the only thing they had on a salad bar was Thousand Island dressing. I had never had Thousand Island dressing I was like what is this I don't even like how this looks Thousand Island dressing And (laughs) It was funny I put a little bit of the Thousand Island dressing On my salad And took a fourth full I was like The Big Mac (laughs) Because that's the special sauce I never knew it I never knew it, I never knew it Until I had that salad With that thousand island dressing That was the special sauce on the Big Mac Only it was cold I was like this is the Big Mac And everybody was looking at me like what's wrong with her But I was like That was was an epiphany It was like wow That's the Big Mac special sauce All those years I never knew that I never knew it Did anybody ever say that the special sauce was Thousand Island Dressing. Did we ever hear that anywhere? Because I never heard it. I never heard it. And we didn't buy Thousand Island Dressing here. So I didn't know nothing about Thousand Island Dressing. So we went from there and um, I started meeting all these people, people who had been there a couple of years already. Some of them had already recorded projects and albums and had them out and they just had to finish school and I'm like, man, you know, what am I going to do? Because I went through the music production engineering thing where they're doing the mixing and stuff. I'm like, man, I might want to do that. Then the film scoring room, which is like the music production engineering room, but yet it's film, music set to film and stuff like that. I'm like, wow, you know, and I'm like, you know, I'm, this is how I am on the inside. If you could have seen my insides, I'm probably looking like this, but I'm my usual cool self. I'm just walking around and stuff like that. And then when we're talking about possibilities, probabilities, and opportunities. So I got the opportunity to go to Berkeley by way of um, my parents helped me. I had saved some money. I had the opportunity by being exposed to the school. The probability then becomes greater well, the possibilities become greater and then they shift into probabilities as you position yourself. So as I move from a local band situation, which is limiting to a situation where there's people from all over the world, literally coming to this school all over the world in a town where is the largest college town in the world. You had Emerson University, which is a film school, which now they have joint classes with Berkeley. That's that's dope. Um, you have Boston University, you have Boston College, you have New England Conservatory, you have Northeastern University, you and all of the you have Harvard, you have uh, MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. All of these are within a short mile distance of one another. All of them are are like in a new, it's a nucleus. Now, Harvard and MIT were a little further away to travel, but all the rest of those colleges were within a mile of each other, a mile or two. And so you have all of this integration of students. It's a college town. It's a college town. All of these boutiques and shops and, and stuff like that. And so your possibilities increase as you position yourself in an environment that lends itself to more opportunities. So the possibilities that those opportunities, it makes it more probable that you're going to go into more of what you want to go into because you position yourself in that place. You put yourself there. You put yourself there. So I um. I was, I took classes, I was in uh, an arranging major and performance major, and that's mainly what I did was perform and arrange, so I can arrange for strings, and I'm talking about live strings, I can score for strings, I can score for horns, um, now we got software, we don't have to do a longhand, I can do a longhand though, so I can, I know the voicings of horns, The different horns I can uh, I can arrange for string sections and a full five piece band in an R&B type situation. So keys, percussion, drums, you know, right now, rhythms right now, syncopations and stuff. I could do all that longhand, though with technology, we don't have to do that anymore. You just speak it or key it in and, you know, and then print it out, hit a button and print it out and you have your score. But so I did a couple of projects there, student projects and things for other students. I wound up singing on somebody's project. And I'm not even really a singer. I can hold a tune. My main instruments are piano and flute. And, and now I have percussion under my belt as well. But I was not really a singer-singer, not that sang singer you know. But I can hold a tune. I'm good with harmonic arrangement, background arrangement and stuff like that. So I did a couple of projects and some, one project was an original song that I had written and I wrote it to the specific case. Like I woke up at three o'clock in the morning with this whole arrangement in my head, like for every instrument and I got to writing. I got to writing everything. Then I had my boy, um, my friend that was there who was a horn player and also arranged for horns. I had him check over my horn arrangements to make sure that they were correct and voice correct and everything and so it was cool and we did this we did this thing I called them into this rehearsal all the instruments the people I picked and I had my boy on bass that I uh, introduced me to Berkeley. and we had a little riff because you know I I I had so I had horns doing something like and um, But it was faster than that It was It was like that And I had Some instruments descending Chromatic and chroma- all chromatic Means is if you take a Keyboard and you just go White key to black key, white key to black key White key to black key, key, to black key. that's a chromatic Scale So Every instrument it would be uh, Like that So I had some instruments going uh, And then I had some going uh, So some was ascending Sun was descending While the horns was going <sist çalsec Dartmouth> And then I had, I had On my keyboards I was going dan- <klore> and, and he was So my friend looked at the score He was like this is going to clash <laughs> So So You know, we already we already on the wrong foot here. So I'm like, just play it like I wrote it. Just play it. Let's play it. And he's like, that's gonna clash. I'm telling you, it's gonna clash. I'm standing there ten minutes arguing about this this piece. Now I'm getting really ticked off because the momentum is up. I'm ready to really hear how this is going to come together at this ending because this ending is climactic and I'm, I'm trying to get to it. And I'm arguing him. I said, look, either you're going to play this line the way I wrote it. or I'm going to go down here to the sheds and get one of them Japanese bass players to come down here. You know, Japanese be on it. Uh, I'm going to go down here and get one of these Japanese players to play this part. So he was like, "Fine, but I'm telling you, it ain't gonna work." Okay, it ain't gonna work. So we got to the end, and that culmination of that ending, the trumpet player threw his trump. The tr- trumpet player threw his trumpet on the floor. Was like, "Whoa!" He threw his trumpet on the floor and ran out the room. <laughs> he ran back in the room. He was like, "That is funky." He was like, "Did you write that?" I said, "Yeah, yeah I wrote it." I said look man I'm from the George Clinton Parliament Funkadelic school I'm I'm from the school of funk I'm from Ohio I'm from Ohio Ohio funk grows on spores here is a spore of funk in Ohio We just are born with that in our blood we just funky in Ohio the DJs are funky everybody's funky the instruments are funky you know there's some bands here now they are just they took things to an I will put There's two bands here, the Funk Yard. Like right now, there's a a a band here called the Funk Yard, and another band called um, uh, what's the name of that band? I just saw them a couple of weeks ago. I will put them against any Minneapolis bands. I will put them against any bands anywhere. These people are smoking. So that was the beginning of my experiences there, and it culminated into something else.
3: That's right. That's right. That's right. So now it's
2: 1990
3: and i start producing not only doing fraternity parties i did the uh, alphas i did the kappas i uh did the sororities also i did the deltas the aka that's a whole another story to that we'll get to that one day so i'm doing that then i start doing my own parties with a group called home team productions and the purpose of home team productions was to raise money to go into the studio to produce records. That was the whole point of Home Team Productions. I DJ, I had the two dudes sitting at the front door collecting the money. I never actually really got to see how the crowd was coming in, but I saw how we packed the Col- Colosseum out, like thousand count arena no tables, just chairs along each side. 2,000 people packed in there, we're rocking out, right? So, we're doing these parties and then we come up and we, you know, I go to the studio and I produce with acts, right? So I produce music with acts. And, you know, we're doing this. So this is like between 90 and 93, right? And so we hit we hit some things, something like this right here.
2: Taking a regular new mind frame. I'm catching a migraine, my brain strains Type the J the Liverpool shooter JFJ. Conspiracy fearing me. Other cities, they don't wanna hear me signing booty, New York food. But none are coming near me, not a staircase. So, in case you wanna step up, I'm something to rub rubbing, I'm pumping the phone. Hey, shut the F up. Creamers in the house, you can't doubt. So, put us out, we're rising from the Midwest. Yeah, that's what we're all about. Whether we chill, act ill, or pack skill there's no killing what can't be killed. Other cities feel crazy, deep produce the rhythms that are hyping a but Let me pass it to Gaynati, cause I'm giving the mic up. I hate cops, I see life getting my props. Cause I put not to
1: run, but the funky hip hop. It happens in the face, I can't stop on the, till I up up the city be down? That ass, run listen to the taste, so this what you did, Don't get when we miss. This song we on. So stop the silly silly please don't get For well, there's no killing what can't be killed.
0: name is pistol. Pinto, raising more fucking simple-ass poets and two And venue with Trimone, so say the drama for one act and Smack the whack-ass back with Jack the illegitimate folks I know you're feeling it, hoes This shit doesn't sound like it's psychomatic I froze like an actor To the doneness of the whack in see. Killer, killer,
2: killer, killer
3: So we put out Rapid Succession and that hit the college airwaves, right? CSB and UJC. Now, this is 93. And the Turkey Jam, you know, WZAK, you hear the reference about the Zach Dog and Brother Ray. You remember Brother Ray tying? Brother Ray yes, had I do. through the band that you know, you were playing in and I took him to the studio and we produced There's No Killing What Can't Be Killed. That was the first record. There was two male MCs and two female MCs because I didn't discriminate. If you sounded good, we're going to take you in there and knock it out, right? So, we're doing this so that, so the turkey jam comes to town, right? Because every year Zach, the Zach WZAK had the turkey jam. They still do. And so Tony, Tony, Tony was coming to town and I had done a mixtape where I used anniversary and substitution, the break beat of substitution. So I had the substitution break beat breaking underneath and then there is that 16 bar count where they're kind of riffing a little bit and they're just playing the melody and I had the substitution rolling all the way through. And then when the beat, when the downbeat picked back up, it was right on time. So, brand, brand new, rest in peace, brand new. He was uh, hanging with Silver B, And what had happened was, uh, I knew one of the security people, because they knew crazy. DNA, and we went back, my wife went, and uh, we went back. And if you know how the public auditorium was set up, they had the dressing room. So we went through the dressing rooms. They weren't there. We came back to the long hallway with the two doors, and there was Raphael Sadiq standing there, Raphael Sadiq standing there, and I handed him the mixtape, I told him, this is my remix of your song, Anniversary, hope you like it, Talk to him, found out, you know, just talk to him a little bit, so Brand New told me, because this was like the next day, because this always taught me one thing about this: always stay till the end. Let let it be time for the police officers to lock it up, right? For the people to lock it up. Always stay to the end because Brand New said that Silver B had sent him out to look for me, but I was nowhere around because they were sitting in one of the rooms at the public hall listening to the mixtape and a radio and they wanted to talk to me right and so they heard it and then later it, it, uh Tony 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 went from 1987 to 1999 in 1999 Rafael Sadiq had started a new venture with Ali Sheed Muhammad and the woman Dawn from uh from uh, Invoke, and they, they called themselves Lucy Pearl, right? But the element of using hip hop with R&B—they were doing hip hop and R&B somewhat, but they had never seen it sustained where it was a breakbeat. That was a Cleveland thing. The, and when you, you hear a lot of Cleveland elements in music, where it's a sustained hard breakbeat over some R&B tracks, that's a Cleveland thing, and they had never heard that before, and that was what that was and had we sent to the end, however, now what was the probability and the possibility and the opportunity of that going? If we had stayed to the end and my sister was over in Berkeley, she's a musician, right? If we had stayed to the end, the whole trajectory, I I probably wouldn't have opened up a store until after I had come back from off a tour and then open source. So it would have been a different situation. So the name at home wouldn't have been as big as it was, right? But so it's the poss- possibility and the probability and the probabilities and the possibility changed because we did not stay till the end. But wait, rewind. my sister was at Berkeley and we might have to have a part two to this, right? We probably gonna have to do part two. But my sister was at Berkeley, right? And she was at Berkeley and she was making all of these creations and recording with people, but then an opportunity arose. An opportunity arose, and then after that opportunity, another opportunity would arise that would have put her possibly on stage with in 1993, with Tony, 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 which would have meant that they say, "Well, whose tape is that?" That's, oh, that's my brother. And then the the story would have been different. So let's go through this. Let's talk about the years of Snap. Tell me what Snap is, real quick, real quick. Make it a quick synopsis, about four minutes. Who he is, and then go into let's get into the tour in Japan, the world tour you went on, starting in Japan.
2: All right. Uh, Now, the picture that you see in the upper left-hand corner, that's Deron Butler, better known as Turbo B from McKeesport, Pennsylvania. He met the producers uh, from Snap in Germany. He was in the Army, I believe, and he met them there. And he was a rapper. And they put his voice on uh, the track called Power. Now, there was some discrepancy about that track because on uh, the the producers that put together the one that he was on, there was one that was before that by Chill Rob G, and the name of the song, I believe, for that one, was it was called something else. They changed it to The Power, though, because of that song that came out, The Power, but it was named something else prior to that that was in and that track was sampled oh it was called let the words flow it was let the words flow and it was sampled what wikipedia says is it was sampled illegally and without permission by the german pop dance group snap on their hit record the power so after that happened there was some discrepancy and i think it was re-released a chill rob g under pop the power all right, so we had some some stuff going on there. Uh, it's convoluted as to what went on, but that's not the capacity that I was in. I was there as a musician. So what happened was at Berkeley, I was playing in this all-female band. And in this all-female band, there was a guitar player named Narita. Narita had played with New Kids on the Block. She had toured with New Kids on the Block and the tour manager or no he was a roadie. It was a roadie for new kids on the block whose name was Johnny. Johnny called her up and he had then become the tour manager for snap for for this version of snap. And so he asked her, he said, they're interested in having an all-female band. And, um, do you know some people that will want to want to play? So, it kinda just it was an opportunity that just fell in my lap. Cause to be honest with you, I didn't even know who they were. I mean, at the time you had several groups that sounded alike, and it was hard to tell the difference. You had Snap, you had CNC Music Factory, you had Black Box, you had Mantronics, and you had two in a room, and I'm sure it was some other ones, cause we ran into two in a room when we was on a Japanese tour. So um, so she asked me would I be interested. And going and, and, and playing. And I said, well, I said, okay. So I listened to the music and I wasn't, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I wasn't too particular about it because I was an old school keyboard. I'm used to bands where every instrument is playing. And I could tell from listening to that, there was a lot of new technology that I had not necessarily come into yet. There was a lot of MIDI, and MIDI is where you're connecting, you're syncing one keyboard to another keyboard and, and blending different sounds or um, syncing to another sound effects rack so that you're producing other sounds. And I hadn't come into that yet. I was still, I was crossing right out of analog. So, you know, the old Juno 60s, Juno '106. The uh, old Prophet 5s and those keyboards and stuff like that, those were all analog keyboards where you tweaked the knobs and you created your own sounds yourself in the analog keyboard. So I was used to that. But with this evolution of MIDI, like with the Core game one was one of the first MIDI boards and stuff like that, popular MIDI boards. So I had to get used to all that stuff and I had to get used to it quickly, but I didn't let it intimidate me. You know that I didn't know that stuff. I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead on. (laughs) I'm going to get this. I called my mother up and I told her, I said, well, I'm going, I'm not going to enroll in the fall semester because I'm going to go on tour with this group. She wasn't necessarily in agreement with it. uh, Typical of most parents, you know, your education is first your education is first. I said, I thought to myself though, I said, this is an opportunity. That could lead to something else. If I don't take it now, when am I going to take it? You know, I can always come back to school. You know, the the money is there. So I can always come back to school. So I said, I'm going to go on and, and go. And um, so getting prepared to go, of course, I already had a passport. Because some years before in the local band, we had one about all the bands that was supposed to go to Japan with that winning and i already had a passport so i didn't have to get a passport i had to have my mom send me my passport and um so we we started doing the rehearsals there this was a lot of firsts for me it was my first time on a plane because for the two weeks we had to fly to orlando california to rehearse uh, with the band and stuff so it was me Narita on guitar I was on keys And another keyboard player from Berkeley. She was a jazz keyboard player named Paula So it was the three of us that left together And went to um, Went to Orlando to rehearse Those first two weeks During that time uh, Penny Ford who was the original voice On The Power um, Got into some kind of disagreement With, with Turbo And she, she said I'm not going So she quit and they were in a in a quandary because this tour had already been paid for. This was a Pepsi Cola Reebok sponsored tour. And so the money, the checks had already been paid um, to the people. So, and I think that was what the discrepancy was. She hadn't gotten her money and uh, but he had bought a house and a few other things and she didn't have no money from the advance. Right? So, um, so that's what that was. And so somebody opened their big mouth and told them I could sing. And I'm like, you know, hey, you know. So they were offering more money. I'm like, cool. But then, now I was inexperienced. I was not a unionized musician. I wasn't in the musicians union. And so I didn't really know how much I was supposed to be getting. I had, We didn't have Google and stuff like we have now. So I didn't know how much I was supposed to be getting. The initial agreement, was I was getting a thousand dollars a week plus an extra two fifty a week per diem for incidentals, meals and stuff like that, which I never had to spend that because wherever we went, we were always being accommodated. But so basically $1250 a week. And so they called me saying, well, you know, we'll add another two fifty onto your salary if you go on and do the singing. I was like, it was like, how's that sound? I said, well, that don't sound good. Because I'm pulling double duty. And for me, it's not as easy to sing and play at the same time. I'm like, that doesn't sound too good. I'm going to need y'all to round that up. I just threw a figure out there because I didn't know how much I was supposed to get. So I just said, I'm going to need y'all to round that up to 2,000 a week. That's what I'm going to need. Well, they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. They didn't have nobody else. They couldn't get nobody else. He was hard to get along with, being a Taurus male. He was his birthday was eight days after mine, so he was hard. To, but me and him got along fine. He just was temperamental with them. He and I got along just fine though. Um, so they gave it to me, and we went on the tour. And our first, uh, before going to Japan, that was the first landing. Um, we had to have a two day layover in Hawaii. And um while we were there, you know, there were some things that transpired there. And then we made our way across the waters in Japan. Now, mind you, this is my first time on a plane. I'm taking international trips. These is long trips too, y'all. The flight to Japan was nine hours from Hawaii on a plane. And then when we left Japan, we went to Australia. Australia well, it wasn't as, as long of a flight from Japan, but coming back to the States from Australia, that's clear across the world. That's like um, if if I left here at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday and got over there, it would be Saturday again and it would be like five o'clock in the afternoon. It's clear across the globe. So, and you get jet lag and you lose a day, it's like (laughs) you're discombobulated. So we went to uh, New Zealand after Australia. New Zealand is three hour flight away from Australia. So we went to those three places. It was a Pepsi Cola sponsored, a Reebok sponsored tour. And I met a lot of people. I met Hall and Oates, I met Eddie Money. I met, there were some TV stars like Blair Underwood and his wife. I met Bull from Night Court. Remember the tall, goofy guy uh, from Night Court. Um, I met him. He was the nicest guy. Richard Mall that's his name. He was the nicest guy. I took a picture with him. Um, I met who else? That Ray Parker Jr. A uh, bunch of different people. I met uh, and participated in a jam session in the lobby of ho- of the hotel in Australia, where they were elevating Olivia Newton-John's comeback and. Um, so that day it had been a, turnist, a tennis tournament for the stars, and Olivia Newton John. That was her home, her home country, and everything. She was making a comeback, so they were blending that in with the the tour. We got tennis shoes, you know. We got us some Reebok tennis shoes. We got Pepsi Cola stuff, and um, it was fifteen. That that particular audience was fifteen thousand people, and an outdoor um outdoor performance. And these people was going wild over this group. <laughs> and remember, I didn't even know who they were before I went on tour with them. So these people are going crazy over this group. They screaming and stuff like Michael Jackson or something. You know, they just screaming. And it just so happens that the bass player from the Commodores uh, lived in uh well he lived in New Zealand. But he was there for that And he was there at the performance And was saying how good the performance was He had married a woman over there That's why he lived there But um, it was just It was it was a good experience But 15,000 people It's just when you look out You don't even see the faces It's just a sea of people 15,000 people So, uh, but in Japan Though Remember, if y'all remember any of you who are old enough to remember this, the power video, there was a set of twins. And I think they were in other videos by Snap too, a set of twin guys, twin brothers, and they were dark skin and bald head and nice bodies and everything. And so that's who people were looking for on this tour. Somehow Johnny's wife, the tour manager's wife, had been in charge of getting dancers for the, uh, for the tour, she decided to go to Walt Disney and get these two, this set of twins. What was those girls' names? I forget, but they were, they were clearly not the dancers from the video. They were blonde hair, blue eyed. And so that was a set of twins. And they had a separate woman that kind of favored them. And she was a little bit older than them. She was a dancer too. So you got all this blonde hair up here and the Japanese japanese people were like block dances block dances block dances they want, <laughs> they wanted to see the dancer and so that was the first opportunity and then what happened was i came back we went to those places our next stops was supposed to be nigeria and mexico during that time though um and I'll tell you why as soon as D comes in with his commentary. I'll tell you why. But they dropped me from the tour. I'm going to tell you why they did that.
3: So they drop you from the tour. And then another opportunity comes up. Right. We're going to make this a part two because we only got 18 minutes. up, So we're going to make this. We may stretch this out because there's more going on, you know, that that phrases of parallelism why she's doing this i'm over here in cleveland ohio doing the thing so we're gonna keep this going but another opportunity comes up they dropped there from the tour another opportunity comes up for tony 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 or tony tony tone some people say right now so to get the full understanding of what's happening remember we said possibilities and probabilities and is there divine intervention that steps in that keeps one away from the probability of possibility of coming into a bad situation. So this right here is from the documentary, Loyalty No Royalty, the breakup of Tony, 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 the documentary it is on YouTube in its entirety along with outtakes so this is what this was and remember I told you in 93 they came and Tanya could have been with them and then it could have been a whole nother turn or I could have if I had stuck around to the end then I would say well you know i got a sister that plays keyboard she just came off the snap tour you know and then they would be oh yeah But yeah let's see this so this is what's happening this is about a seven minute piece we're going to stop in between give some kind commentary then we're going to pick up probably again tomorrow and pick up and continue on with the uh narrative here here we go
1: this six member group from oakland california also known as the tonys had their foot on the gas and showed no signs of slowing down
0: it was a chemistry Tony, Tony, Tony had a perfect chemistry. Tony, Tony, Tony—they were a hybrid to us. You know what, don't you? But we had conversations about that, though. Me, Ray, and Tim, i remember that verbatim. And you know, we used to say, "No, nah, man, we ain't gonna never be like that, man." You know, like how these guys, you know, break up, and it's like, "No, nah, man, we're gonna stay together as a union."
3: How many of you? First of all, I cut it down to seven minutes. This is an hour or something. So I cut the best parts you know what I'm saying? Because I'm an editor. That's what I do. So we cut to get the story the main story. How many of you knew that Tony, Tony, Tony was a six man group and not a three man group with a back band? How many of you knew that? Right? We surely didn't know. All we know is it never rains in Southern California. That's what my me and my wife met 1990, dormitory. And that 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 album was on repeat on my turntables in the dormitory. Let's go on. group started off, you know, it
0: was Ray, Tim, and Dwayne. And uh and Carl was uh, was actually there always was a musical foundation.
1: Right around the corner. Is where Raphael stayed. You know? All right. my sister them stayed right here. And he stayed right there. So, as a kid, he's come over to our house. We had all the instruments and stuff. He's been mesmerized. And I had a group in high school called Spicy. And James Pugh, my partner, and uh, Ashron, and John Payne, and Brian Meter. That was the band. My cousin T. Hatter And his friend Trent Came up to my school They just come back And forth every now and then So they came and Stole a couple of my band members Which was John Payne and Antron To join Hot Water So they somehow got Raphael and Tim To join Hot Water So it's now Raphael Tim Antron and John Payne So and you had A couple guys from Hayward Trent and um, Derek Graham Larry Graham's son So they formed Hot Water But I was cool I supported him You know what I'm saying I was cheering him on Like I said I wasn't pissed off For some damn reason I don't know why I, I should have been pissed off About that But I wasn't I I support him And um So that Ran his course Dan Ray Tim And Carl hooked up To go play with Sheila E
0: Raphael went to an audition With uh, Sheila E And he made the audition So she asked him Did he have any other young musician friends?
3: You see how they always ask, are there anyone, is there anyone else? This This is a, take some notes on this. This is the way that it works, right? So listen to what my sister said that she had, they asked the bass player. Were there any other female musicians that wanted to play? They always go through the talented one because they know that more talent is alongside that talent. That's the way this works. So listen to the unceremonious way that after it was over, they were discharged. Listen to this. It's not just something that happened with Snap, it happens with all musicians that are back band members. Here we go. Listen.
0: And played. And so. Tim, Timothy Riley, and myself went to the audition. He he said, man, they want y'all to come down. So we went down and auditioned. And they had already picked the musicians for the tour. And so they fired those guys that same day and hired me and Tim. Went on tour, did the uh, Lionel Richie Dancing on the Ceiling Tour. And then from that, we jumped and did the Under the Cherry, Cherry Moon Tour with Prince. Then we all got fired. And they gave us some uh, McDonald applications. They said, uh, they passed it out and gave it to each member van. they said, y'all gonna need this. Or y'all go and um, look for some jobs. So, then uh, we got home and Dwayne um, had, I guess he had always had uh-huh. this idea of Tony, Tony, Tony. So, Dwayne came up with the name
1: Tony, Tony, Tony with his meaning. I'm not gonna repeat it because it still don't make no fucking sense, but
0: he came up with it and it stuck. That's what we should have named ourselves, Family Damn. Affair. It was just a nickname for an attitude and a, a dress code that we had and the way we would act when we went out. So we just had to we had to come up with a name for that and we just decided, Tony, 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 seems like a character. That's that's kind of how Tony, Tony started and then all the rest of the guys, we all came together with Elijah and Antron. Six. It was the original six. Levi Caesar helped produce the first demo. Prince, guitars, oh,
1: basses, wow. and a good friend of ours. Actually, Levi Caesar on guitar right here is a guy who's responsible for my career. When I play with Sheila E, keep put me in the Sheila E, bag. Thank you, Levi. We was more on that funky tip. We was more on that Prince the of, revolution. they name of the single again? The name of the single was One Night Stand. It was horrible. It was horrible, but we played that shit like it was We Are The World. Raphael and Elijah are first cousins. I'll show you a picture of Raphael's mother and Elijah's father, they look like twins.
0: I mean I know they had to hurt, man. They locked on literally locked on in the museum. Shut the door on party. us
1: and told us they'd be back. And we like, what you mean you be back? But well, we like, you know. All right, and when we stepped that it was cricket, cricky. It, it wasn't even. A, it wasn't a cockroach outside. <laughs> it wasn't no birds twerping. It was nothing going on. We was out there, out there looking like some damn fools by ourselves. You
3: so what? The documentary says is is that they had a deal on the table for Tony, Tony, Tony for six million dollars. They lock the three members who are the band in the room and they go and they go to this contract and when they come out, they each as the front men, the front men get two million each. Now these are first cousins. All right? Let's continue.
1: Mad at the motherfucker walking a quarter mile to uh to go play on that same stage the motherfucker left. Played, was, uh, what was the atmosphere like on the stage? When y'all was playing, the party was so good. I can only speak for myself. It was a blur at that time. I just got in, involved because it was, it was, it was, it was hype. You know, it was, it was good. So, but when I got off that stage, I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. But on that stage, I was happy. Did anybody we confront did? the three? Any of the three? I'm What's sure doing? we said something, but you just a real it was no reaction. You know what I'm saying? It was like, so what? And we wouldn't did that. We we'd have, would have made sure. Hey, man. Where the rest of the guys? You know what I'm saying? I can 100% tell y'all Have done that. So for them not to do that, that, let us know that. Like I said, I always thought they looked at me like they were doing me a fucking favor.
0: Me and Elijah Baker both got kicked off the group at the same time. It affected him in a different way than it affected me he didn't take it as hard as I did oh you see see I took it hard because number one if you're doing any job most jobs if you're doing something wrong that's displeasing them somebody comes to you a supervisor a boss says listen You got to step your game up or else we're talking about letting you go. I know I never got that. Rumor was said then that Ray didn't like me and my cousin Timmy didn't like Elijah. I don't know how true it is.
1: Back in them day, they had cahoots, you know what I'm saying? Relationships that we didn't know nothing about. Nobody.
3: kicked out the group for him took him and plunged him to the deep end and he not not this guy but the previous guy that was talking because this is elijah first cousin to raphael he went on the deep end and and and, and drowned his sor- sorrows by be taking drugs this is how how rough this business is when you're let go you don't know why you're let go you know no no chance but it was something about it's just something about the business and the industry It's opportunity possibility and probability
1: i wasn't fooled, would not fool with it I and i couldn't understand i was about three or four different attorneys high powered. like here go the proof right here we owe this and they're like Man, man, I got discouraged and I just said, fuck it. You left before me in Tron. Yes, I did, I did. I left before you in Tron. Yeah. So on your way out, yeah. how come you didn't pull out coattail for better representation? Cause you seen the writing on the wall.
2: Oh, I saw the writing on the wall, but I, 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 I didn't have any idea. I, I didn't
1: know that you guys were asked to sign off out of that Tony, Tony, Tony incorporated deal. I didn't know that at the time. I was in a studio with Carl. When he's looking at this document, I'm like, yo, why don't you get a lawyer? Man, I, this is my brothers, I trust them. Same way with Antron and and, and, and Tim. Their, their, their parents are siblings. So you're not gonna think as a 15, 16, 17 year old that I need to have somebody look at this because they may be lying to me. Never think that. So you see,
3: so you see, What was happening when that opportunity, let's talk about that opportunity real quick that you had to, uh, coming from off the snap tour, how soon afterwards, and then what made you decide to uh, turn it down because you turned it down.
2: Um, Yeah, we're going to fast forward to that and then we'll pick back up on the details tomorrow. So um, I got a call from Parker Bartlett at the Berklee College of Music ensemble office and it seems that she was the person in the office that people would go through when they were calling up for musicians recommended musicians for tours so she called me um she got up in touch with me she called tower records and got me on the phone because i had went back to my job at tower records at that time and she got me on the phone she told me who she was she said hey listen she said you know tony 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 i said yeah um and she said well they are looking to put together all female back and band for this particular tour that they're on are you interested and i said hmm i said well how much uh i said how long is the tour gonna be she said well three months and then after that they don't know how long it's gonna be after that and i said oh okay she said all i'm gonna need you to do is send me a headshot and a bio and then they're going to start doing rehearsals out in Oakland in a couple of weeks. I said, "Oh, okay." And she said they'll fly you out there and whatever. So basically, it wasn't no tryout, it wasn't no nothing. I was all I had to do was send that and I was a shoe in for the gig. I'm like, "Wow, this is this is how this works." So but I got to thinking about it. And when I had come off the tour, that was kind of disappointing. Like when they dropped me from the tour, it was disappointing. And we'll go back tomorrow as to why. And, you know, I, I my thing is always being happy at what I'm doing. I'm fulfilled, you know, being happy what I'm going to be fulfilled at. So I was at Tower. Tower wasn't paying but $250 a week. But Tower had a lot of perks. You know, it's 250 a week plus the health benefits plus You know, I I spend most of my time there off work because it was a culture as well. I had a lot of friends there. I loved the environment. I loved Tower, right? And I said, well, do I want to leave Tower and go on another tour just for it to end up like it ended up this time or last time? Because I'm not going to be agreeable to everything. I'm just not. I've never been one of those people that can be bought or sold by money, right? Um, You know, I I guess other people's situation is different, but our parents afforded us the type of life that we didn't have to uh, bend over and grab our ankles or anything like that for an opportunity, all right? So I didn't take it like that. So I just said I passed on opportunity, but what happened was... After the three months, their, their album, Sons of Soul, was out. That was the album with Anniversary on it. They, the whole album was banging from start to finish, the whole album. And then after the three months, Janet picked them up because she had put out her album, Janet. She picked them up for her for the first leg of her tour. Chucky Booker was her... Um, music director. Everybody know I love some Chucky for his production, him being keyboard player, him being funky. I love Chucky, right? So I could have met him. I was looking at all after I passed on it, you know, she picked him up for the first three months of her tour. The second three months, I think she picked up Mint condition, but the first three months was them. And then You know, after that, their album went platinum. So they were out for six more months and they kept the same backing band all of that time. So I could have been out for a whole year with that band. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. And that's Possibilities and
3: Probabilities Part 1. Snap, Turkey, Jams, Tony, Tony, Tony possibilities and probabilities and we're going to pick up and do part two tomorrow. We're going to keep this going because there's more story to tell, more narrative to tell. So stay tuned for that. This has been Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. Can you believe it? Episode 44 of Hashtag Observations TFR by Crazy D with my special guest host my sister Tanya M. Congress, and we will see you tomorrow with part two of this. Stay tuned. Smash the like button, share button, and subscribe to the Film Review Live channel on YouTube. We're
0: out. Here's the thing about Germany: why I made the curator
1: thick about the French community.